welcome to the Breakthrough to Excellence podcast. I'm Jasmine Haley, healthcare provider turned educator, entrepreneur, and startup strategist. Not too long ago, I was burnt out, overwhelmed, depressed, and full of fear from a toxic work environment. I created my business out of necessity to create a legacy I can be proud of today. It helps me transform the lives of women every single day to pursue their dreams and entrepreneurial goals. I created this podcast to share the empowering stories of entrepreneurial women, help you break through self-doubt to your greatness, and share business strategies to help you create a thriving and profitable business. If you are an emerging entrepreneur or business owner that wants to create the mindset needed to escape burnout, reclaim your personal power, and pursue your entrepreneurial dreams, this podcast is for you. Stay tuned and listen in. Welcome to the Breakthrough to Excellence podcast. I'm your host, Jasmine Haley, and this week's episode is Dr. Mary Sawden. She is a naturopathic doctor, fertility coach, healthpreneur, and mother. She's an associate at Brown and Brown Family Chiropractic in Newcastle, Ontario, and chief cheerleader of the Fertility Fundamentals, a naturopath-led fertility collective working towards supporting women throughout their infertility journey. As a naturopath and fertility coach, she helps moms-to-be get calm, confident, and in control of their fertility. She is passionate about helping women thrive on their fertility journey, leading them from isolation and overwhelm towards a life of renewed purpose and support. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad to be here. Yes, I'm I'm actually very excited that you're here. This is um, going to be a very interesting conversation because it's not often you hear from a naturopath doctor that's actually gone this route of coaching. So this should be very interesting. For sure. So tell me a little bit about um, your journey in deciding to become a doctor and, and in specializing with this particular segment of health care. So my journey as an entrepreneur is definitely not a straight line. It actually started in Manila, Philippines, where I was born and raised. I did an undergraduate degree in psychology and then went on to medical school, so conventional medical school. And after passing my medical board exams, I practiced as a general practitioner for a few months before migrating to Toronto, Canada. So my whole family and most of my maternal extended family already lived in Canada. And I always said to myself, I'll just finish med school, then I'll move over. But after graduation, I wanted to stay and practice. I mean, I worked so long and hard to get my degree. I just wanted to start seeing my own patients and help them out. And I knew when I moved to Canada, I wouldn't be able to practice right away. I would have to write a lot of exams and then apply for a residency match. And when I practiced as a general practitioner, it was a really easy transition because I joined an established clinic. I was on a salary. I didn't have to worry about the business back end at all. I just saw patients and it was what I wanted to do. And when I moved to Toronto, it was definitely a challenge because I had to write so many exams to be a general practitioner here. And while I was in the process of, of doing this, I actually went to a conference. It's the Internationally Educated Professionals Conference, which is in Toronto. And in one of the health sector talks, the dean of the naturopathic college gave a talk on naturopathic medicine. I've never heard of naturopathic medicine before that time. And it was so intriguing for me because it's a different system of medicine than what I was used to. 
So it's like a system of medicine that looks at the root cause of disease, which is very a different paradigm from, from the conventional medicine paradigm. And they actually offered a bridging program for international medical graduates. And so I was definitely hooked. I went to an open house and I just immediately enrolled in the program. I'm like, I'm all in. I think that was, <laughs> I think that was definitely like, um, uh, a fork in the road in terms of my career because I really had to like sit down with myself and reflect on what path did I want for myself. I had to get clear on like my goals and how I wanted to like help people. How did I want to like impact people's lives? And I found that I think going the route of naturopathic medicine would be able, um, would enable me to like help more people get to like the really root cause of what's going on in 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 their situations. And so after graduation from naturopathic medical school and passing all my boards, my husband and I decided to move about an hour east of Toronto. And so I live now in a small town called Newcastle. That's where we live in practice. It's really a great place to live and work. It's um, a place where when you go down the street, people say hello to you. <laughs> like it's that kind of small town where even the mailman says hello to <laughs> that kind of town. I love it. It's like near the lake, near nature. <laughs> and it's really away from the hustle and bustle. Oh, that's beautiful. Of the city. Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful place to live. Um, and so I've been in practice as a general um, family practitioner for the past like four years or so. And I'm going to be honest and say I'm not a born entrepreneur <laughs> I've had to learn how to become one like through reading and watching and like learning from mentors. Like I really had to invest in learning how to be a business person. Like I did um, the B school with Marie Forleo. I, I did like Amy Porterfield's courses. Like I did um, Dr. Megan Walker's first 18 and clinician CEO program. So these are all programs that helped me learn how to be an entrepreneur and I'm going to be honest and say I resisted for a long time, like buckling down and really working on the back end of my business because it brought me no joy. I just really just want to see patients. That's that's what I want to do. I just want to see them. But that won't happen. It, it won't be sustainable if I don't um, work on my business as well as being a good clinician. And I think it's one of the limiting beliefs I had about myself that I wasn't good with business, that I knew nothing about it. and. I realized that this came from like um, a scarcity mindset and it was holding me back. And so I came to the point in my entrepreneurial journey where I decided, you know, it's time to put on my CEO hat because I am the CEO of my business. And I decided to really work on the systems and strategies to like move my business forward, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. basically. And then after everything with COVID happened, like, I've decided to like really niche down on on my practice and work more towards fertility because that's that's what I I really feel aligned towards. Plus, I've also undergone my own fertility journey, which I so that I can totally relate to what my patients are going through because I've gone through it myself. I'm still going through it myself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I love that you kind of share what many healthcare providers already feel. So I'm a healthcare provider, but in dentistry, mm -hmm. and it, there is a mindset shift that has to be made in order to go into business yeah. because there are going to be, there's going to be, first of all, we don't learn anything about that. When you're in school, you are learning exactly what you need to do mm -hmm. to be a good clinician yeah. and pass your boards. Yeah. 
That's it. Yep, I agree. <laughs> and I love the fact that you mentioned the time that you had to take to invest in learning, right? And as you learn, you started building up the confidence to say, okay, mm-hmm. I can do this. Yeah. I can do this. Yeah. So I think that's so valuable for our listeners to hear because you don't have to have a background in business to create a successful business. And a lot of times, a, a lot of us in business are seeking to help and support people that were us a few mm-hmm. years ago. Yeah. Right? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, my, my ICA, my customer avatar was me five years ago, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to help me get to where I'm at right now or beyond. Right. Yeah, exactly. So I love that you share that. That's, mm-hmm. that's really, that's really, really powerful. Absolutely. And definitely speaking about um, ICA, I find that for any um, naturopath or any person in the healthcare industry or any business really, when you start a business, I feel like one piece of advice I'd love to share is you really have to hone down on who your ICA is, your, who your ideal client avatar is. Because being in a small town, for instance, I started off seeing anyone and everyone. Like I had a general family, family practice and there was just this one other naturopath in town who also had a general practice. But honestly, I felt burnt out and I wasn't enjoying the work. I didn't want to be like all things to all people. And I really resisted niching down for a long time, but I couldn't really go deep on a certain condition when I was constantly researching different diseases, when I saw different patients, different conditions. Um, And so I started paying attention to how I responded to the different types of cases that walked into the office. And I noticed that I really loved women's health and hormones. And I especially loved working with fertility, especially since I know what they're going through. After I niched down my practice into like just fertility, just women's health and hormones and helping them get, you know, calm, confident in control of their fertility, I found that I, I derived more joy from the practice. And definitely, I want to reiterate the importance of niching down. Like other people might resist it because they might think that, oh, I am excluding so much from from my practice. But really, no, people want to know you like for your expertise. Like, who are you serving? I mean, you really have to like identify your ideal client and understand, you know, what drives them? What do they aspire towards? How can you like, help them and how can you change their lives and also at the same time being willing to like refer to someone else if it's not a good fit I mean I can't be all things to everybody I always go back to like the example of if I'm craving sushi like I would go to the best sushi restaurant in town but if I'm craving pizza I'll go to the best pizza place in town I won't go to the place that serves like sushi and pizza you know what I mean It just doesn't make sense in my head. (laughs) Yes. You know what? I love that example. That was so good. I mean, I think like I've struggled with that. Like I'm a multi-passionate entrepreneur. I have a podcast. I speak. I host live events. But I was finding that people were still asking me, what is it that you do? What do you do? You know, and so that delayed my growth in my business. It delayed my growth, my business tremendously. And I love the fact that you mentioned that. And and I want listeners to know that 
if you know that you want to serve a different ICA, right, a different customer avatar, it is possible, right? But it has to be related to the big picture of your business. Yeah. There has to be some sort of relation. And if you have too many customer avatars, you're going to delay your business growth. And I love the fact that you said, especially with women, I feel like we struggle with this more than our male counterparts, is that we want to be all things to everyone. We want to save people. We want to be, we want to put on the the superhero Mm -hmm. cape and like, I've got you. I could do it. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. And really niching down works best because it establishes you as an authority and everyone wants to know that they are working with the authority on a certain condition. And when you know who you are targeting, you basically amplify your messaging, your marketing and your impact. And when you are serving your ideal client, the the co-creation of their success should be effortless and easy and fun. So definitely niche down is one big advice I would give to any budding entrepreneur. That's for sure. Yeah. So when you decided to say, okay, I'm not going to do a general practice. I'm not going to be um, coaching or working with just the general public. I want to niche down into Mm -hmm. this specialty. Did you get any resistance mentally? with your mindset when you decided to do that. And if you did, what are some things you did to help overcome that? I definitely, all of actually 2019, I worked on mindset. So I I find that working on personal development, working on mindset and having business mentors really helped me discover my limiting beliefs and work around them. And so doing the work on myself helped me push through these these boundaries that I was having. And so I when I was I was doing B school for instance and you know Marie had this fun sheet on ideal client avatar and I really like spent a lot of time filling out those fun sheets and really like trying to hone down on who is it that I want to serve and what's her story. And so after I did that I find that I was able to like go beyond my limiting beliefs and actually like embrace my new niche. And it was very liberating. And definitely I found that I was able to go deep in just one condition. So I can do all just the research focused on women's health and just focused on fertility instead of like me having to figure out, oh, like men's health and children's health as well. And so instead of going broad, I went deep. Yes. So when you, once you'd made that decision and you knew that you were going to niche down, what was the first thing you changed? Definitely marketing. All my marketing pieces (laughs) had to change. That's for sure. And, you know, marketing is definitely one of the challenges for many clinician entrepreneurs because we're just so not used to it. It's not something that we're taught. But then if you can't effectively put your message out into the world, you won't be able to reach the people who need you the most. And I really had to like shift my mindset and my perspective from thinking that, you know, marketing is too salesy or or stuff like that. So really, it's all about spreading my message. And so I had to like redo like my website and I'm in the process of redoing my all my social media and all my branding. Um, and it's so interesting because which is beautiful, by the way. Thank you. Yeah. One of my like mentors said that there are two kinds of people or businesses 
um, in this time of the coronavirus or the pandemic. One is I'm working in my business and improving it. And the other camp is I think I shall be working on my business, but I, I feel too paralyzed with fear to work on it. And, and she said that you have to be in the first camp. You have to just continue to build your business, even if things are very slow right now. And so what I'm doing right now is actually rebranding everything. I am working on my marketing, working on the back end of the business, just so that when I can finally open doors after the pandemic is, is, is over, like I can be up and running and everything can be smooth sailing from here on out. And I just want to share also that in terms of in terms of marketing and, and, and sales, like definitely I when I was reflecting last year about all my limiting beliefs, I had a lot of limiting beliefs around like money that I had to work on. And I I found out I was offering I was actually operating from a place of like scarcity instead of abundance. And in fact, abundance is my word for 2020. I say that to myself every morning, abundance. And <laughs> some of the things I realized when I was working on my money mindset last year were not accepting payment or undercutting my value, like decreasing my, my, my prices, for instance, is a disservice to my patients. It actually um, robs them of accountability. And so I can only give back like authentically when I'm compensated for my time and energy and I deserve to be compensated. I know as a woman, it's like, it's always hard to like to have boundaries around price. And if someone is not able to like afford my services, I always feel like, oh yes, I'll just give it for free. But really I had to like work on establishing those boundaries because I also had to like respect myself and my the services that I had to provide. And, you know, I realized after working on money and the money mindset last year that money is just basically this energetic currency that like flows, that allows that exchange to happen between me and my patients. And I shouldn't like fear, <laughs> fear it or come from a place of scarcity, but instead come from a place of like abundance. Oh, let me tell you something, that money mindset, honey, especially if yes. you come from a disadvantaged background or have seen your mm. parents deal with struggles with money. Um, I grew up in a single family household and it's a love hate relationship. I want to share a book that I read to the listeners. Um, it's called Money, A Love Story by Kate Northrup. And that really helped me to appreciate Ooh. I love Kate. Yeah. My coach, my second coach referred me to that book. So I, I found that when my mindset revolving around money was hindering me from reaching my financial goals in my business tremendously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I took the time to actually see that by me charging X, Y, and Z, it was helping me help more people. And when you're coming from a heart being heart centered, it's hard because like you said, you find someone, they're like, I really don't have the funds right now. And you know, you can help them. You know, you can help them. It's hard to say no. So I, I don't know what you've, what you've done outside of helping with that when you feel like that. But for me, I try to set aside a certain number of people 
or a number of people, I, I said, I will help for free this year. Mm-hmm. And then once I reach that cap, I can't yeah. assist them until I start the next year. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Otherwise, I'll give it all away. I know. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Establishing those boundaries are super important. Super important. I just want to share also um, another challenge I found as an entrepreneur, aside from like marketing and niche. I find like one of the challenges I feel I experience is balancing time between my family and my business. Since I'm a new mom and like making sure that there's a balance between family and business is definitely a big challenge for me. Like when I when I gave birth to my baby boy in 2018, I only took one month off from seeing patients after he was born. And when I got back to work, I came back with like reduced part time hours and my schedule was booked back to back. It was great from a business perspective, but I was like a walking zombie. I was like sleep deprived. I was still figuring out how to care for my one month old son. All I wanted to do was sleep. and. Definitely, I would not recommend it to anyone, especially as a clinician, since I have to be on my game when I see patients. And I'm the primary caregiver for my son. And financially, you know, it didn't make sense to send him to daycare when I can have flexible hours at work. So as soon as my husband would get home from his work, I would see like patients from like 4.30 to 8 twice a week. And I also see patients on Friday mornings and my parents would come over to babysit to help out. And if there's one thing that having a baby while being an entrepreneur entrepreneur has taught me is that I have to learn to like ask for help because there's only so many hours in the day and I can't do it all or I'll be just way too burnt out. And so I have my parents come on once a week to babysit while I work. And actually, I'll be honest and say, I've outsourced a lot of the busy work that doesn't bring me joy. Like, for instance, I've outsourced all my content creation. This includes all my social media posts, the graphics, the blog posts. They even give me a video script. And then I just shoot the videos myself. I just allocate an hour a month to like schedule my posts and another hour to shoot a video to batch it and then post it on social. Because honestly, I just don't have time for content creation for my social media and see my baby and be present for my family. Like it was a it was a pain point in my business. And at the start of this year, when I was setting out my my annual goals and breaking it down to the quarterly, monthly, then weekly goals, I reassessed all the things in my business and looked at what can I outsource to free up time for things that I enjoy doing, like patient research or creating online programs for my patients, like all the other things like social media and websites and branding, they just take up time and can easily be outsourced anyway. And one of my business mentors also said that outsourcing is an act of of personal leadership as an entrepreneur, because my busy work is not my life's work. And you definitely have to protect your time because time is my most valuable asset. And so I've become so protective of my time and I really put boundaries in place so that I'm not always checking my email or I'm not always on social media or I'm not always working on the back end of my business because I'm not just 
the CEO of my own business. I'm also a mom and a wife and a daughter, and I want to be present for my family. And I really had to do this because when I was a new mom, I caught myself checking email and responding to email when I should be playing with my son. And I caught myself like putting on the wiggles so I can squeeze in time to create my league magnet. Like I caught myself writing email broadcasts after my son sleeps <laughs> instead of spending time with my husband. And I know I want to make an impact in women's lives and help them get pregnant, but not at the expense of neglecting my family. And so that's definitely one piece I would like to share for all the female entrepreneurs out there is to just establish this work-life balance. Because unlike other people who have salary kind of jobs where they can just go home at 5 or 4 p.m. and then be there for their families as an entrepreneur, like it never really stops. There are no real like boundaries between being on and being off work. So definitely that's very important. Yes, yes. And especially if you're an entrepreneur that also has a nine to five, Mm -hmm. um, knowing what energies to put into as far as income generating um, activities, income generating, because I've been guilty of, I, I remember one Saturday or several Saturdays where I had to spend all day podcast editing oh, wow. and I wasn't getting money from any sort of sponsorship. It wasn't like bringing any sort of money into my business, mm-hmm. but yet I spent over eight hours on the weekend um, editing a podcast. And mm-hmm. I, you know, the hard part is, is when you're bootstrapping your business, funds are limited. Yeah. So that's, you know, what I really appreciate with you is if you want to have that normalcy in your life, you have to delegate, but it's also really important though to consider if when you're delegating to make sure it's really going to be helping you to build more profit in mm-hmm. your business. Cause if you're just delegating busy work, that's not really helping you get to that creative space to build content or build services or build product, whatever it is that you're doing in your business, essentially you're wasting your time. You're wasting your time and resources paying and outsourcing and then not building any profit in your business. So there's a word of caution with that too, because I've made that mistake on where I was spending all this money outsourcing and nothing was really coming in. Yeah, for sure. Before, before outsourcing, definitely you have to like really look at the KPIs in your business, the key performance indicators, the metrics in your business and then decide if you're able to outsource or not. Like I would really suggest like any starting entrepreneur, they should really have set KPIs that they look at maybe every month or every quarter and then assess where you need work or if you need extra help in certain things, what can you do on your own if you can afford to outsource, but don't do it without knowing your numbers. Definitely a lot of people I think, or at least I was, a little hesitant at the very start of my business to really um, look at my numbers. But that was all part of my limiting beliefs that I had to work on. And right now, every month, I look at my metrics, look at my KPIs and see where am I lacking? Where am I going behind? What else can I improve? Because if you don't have those metrics, then how will you know where you're going with your business? (laughs) Absolutely. And I would suggest doing it monthly because uh, mm-hmm. quarterly is a little long to wait. And because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like I've been in situations where I felt like 
oh, I'm not making any progress. I'm just gonna quit. You know, like I'm mm-hmm. listeners, you don't see that my face looks like a total meltdown, right? <laughs> and then when I started tracking, I was like, oh, okay, I'm not doing too bad. Like I'm actually I'm generating some traffic to my website. Mm-hmm. Now I need to figure out why aren't people converting? You know, mm-hmm. why am I not getting enough sales? What am I doing wrong with my launch? Like right now, yesterday I was working on Facebook Pixel and ads, oh. which is a nightmare. I yes. hate it. Yes, um, <laughs> I absolutely <laughs> hate it. Me too. Um, but <laughs> I'm not outsourcing that right now. So I need to learn it. I need to mm-hmm. learn it, understand mm-hmm. it. I want to understand that concept. Uh, again first before I outsource it again because I've outsourced it before Mm -hmm. but at this point with my brand pivot I need to be very mindful of where I'm where I'm spending my money yes yes yeah that's for sure all right so uh, I'm gonna have one last question for you you've dropped some serious Mm -hmm. gems in this conversation today um Mary I really appreciate it okay now going back to when you first started your business very very beginning the first week first month what word of advice would you give yourself when you first started your business actually I would have several pieces of advice that I would give to my myself at the first month of business and one is definitely niche down don't start a general family practice or any for any entrepreneur, really, not just myself, but definitely hone in on who your ideal client avatar is and don't be afraid to niche down and also leverage social media because I think I did do this right off the bat and I wish I did. So having like a professional Facebook page or even like an Instagram account that's geared towards business. So the goal of the social media marketing would be to like turn your fans into like raving fans into a free marketing team for you. And it really gives your brand like an amplified platform. And whenever you're posting on social media, make sure that you align your content with your brand and to engage with your audience and to create this consistent voice and look and feel across all the social media platforms I'm still struggling with this part, but I am. I feel like that's good advice for any starting entrepreneur. Also, build your list. <laughs> I wish I started this from day one. Build the list. Build the email list. It's very important. And also to identify what are your non-negotiables and really commit to sticking to them because the word we keep to ourselves is the most important one. So for instance, some of the non-negotiables I have established for myself just recently, and I wish I set this in place when I first started is I am no longer going to work in the weekends. Like Woo! I still used to like see patients every Saturday, but right now I am no longer going to work on the weekends. Another thing is I will no longer take on clients, especially that don't align with me and what I do out of fear that I won't yes. make enough money. Yes. That's not happening. Another non-negotiable is I'm only going to work on two major projects at once and not overwhelm myself. And I am going to take a week-long vacation because I didn't go on a vacation for the first like two years of my practice or so. But that's 
That's not happening now. That's a non-negotiable. So definitely identify your non-negotiables and really commit to sticking to them because it's so important. Yes. Oh, those are the pieces of advice I would give myself. Listen, y'all, y'all need if you're hopefully you're not driving, get you a pen and paper, rewind and Mm -hmm. write those things down. That was so good. Dr. Salden, I'm so thankful that you came onto the show today. Um, Please let the listeners know where they can find you. You can reach me at my website at www.drmarysodden.com on Instagram and Facebook at Dr. Mary Sodden. And you can join my fertility collective at www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash fundamental fertility. Awesome. Well, I I can't thank you enough. Thank you so much for sharing your expertise today. Thank you for having me. I really loved our chat. Me too. Thanks for tuning into the show. Dive in deeper by visiting the show notes for this episode or listening to more episodes on jasminehaley.com. If you found value in the show, share with a friend or leave us a review. I'll see you next time.